Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. (laughs) Well, if you're here today, you haven't been here in a while, you're new, uh, this is bare bones for us. And if if you're not, and you're just here today, and you're like, where's the stage? Where's the pipe and drape? Where's your signs? Where's the lights? Great, they're in the trailer out back. And, uh... They will be down the road in one week. Again, American Legion next Sunday, which is straight up State Street, just a mile, maybe two miles up State Street on your left-hand side. It's hard to miss. There's a tank in front of it. So, and uh, it's not symbolic. It's just a thing they have. So it's going to be a great summer venue. There's garage doors all down the sides. We're going to open them up, enjoy the weather, uh, and yet still be protected from rain. And uh, it's going to be a good day. And so today, as we're kind of bare bones, my message today is, is in line with that. And it's, it's basically the simple gospel. That's what today is. We're in shuffle playlist. We've got one more week and then a week off. That when we start in June, we're starting a brand new series called The Remnant. Uh, I'm excited about it. But uh, today, the simple gospel, the great commission or the great co-mission with Jesus that's our call. That's our desire. So let me just give you some backstory. I grew up on the south side and like on the edge of the city, Evergreen Park, uh, literally like two blocks down, I was in the city of Chicago. My parents grew up in Bridgeport. My grandparents uh, were in Bridgeport. If you don't know what Bridgeport is, uh, you are not a South Sider. Um, but uh, several blocks from Comiskey, and it shall be called nothing else right? It is Comiskey and goes by no other name. I don't even know what it is now. I don't think they know. I think it changes just week to week. Somebody else buys them out and then we ran out of money because there's no fans here. They're having a good year though, right? Neil, they're doing good? Woohoo, first place in the division? Yeah, buddy. All right. I don't know any of the players' names. And uh, so, so good year though. And, and so, so I grew up on the south side, and I, I met the Lord uh, here, and, and I just had a love for the city of Chicago and our region. And at 18, I left for Bible college, maybe never knowing if I'm ever coming back. And I went to Dallas, Texas, met my future wife there, who's here right now, of course, thank God, we're still married, 21 years, almost, this summer, 21 years, and uh, and. And I remember being at Bible college, and I just want to share my pastor's heart with you today. Like, why is Thrive here? What are we doing? Like, what's the point of Thrive? For those of you who are newer, for those of you who have only been around the last one or two years, and for those of you who have been around since before day one, when we were sitting in my my living room, and, uh, and you know who you are. So why? If you've been around since day one, you probably know why. If you've been around since day, you know, uh, year four, you know, year three, you, you, you have an idea. You get who we are, but why we are. And this is why we are. I remember being at Bible college at 18, 
sitting. And I remember a guy getting up there. Now, I knew I was called into ministry since I was like 10 or 12 years old. Knew it. Preached my first sermon uh, at, at, at 12 or 13 years old. I can't remember. I think 13. And mainly because I just kept badgering the junior high leaders. Can I preach? Can I preach? Can I preach? And literally walking out the door to, to that junior high night, I was like, I should have a scripture and a message ready. No kidding. I was preaching that night. And uh, I literally grabbed a scripture on the way out, came up with a message, and, and preached that night. Gave an unauthorized altar call. <laughs> uh, I was allowed. They, get, they would speak to junior high kids. This is, this is way back, okay? This is the early 90s. Um, you know, I think uh, Clinton maybe just became president. The, a young, vibrant, wide-eyed America. It was a very different time. And, uh, and, and what, happened, what happened was I, I got up there. I, they, they would take 45 minutes and preach. 45 every week to junior high kids. Like 30, 40 junior high kids. You would never do that now. But back then, they didn't care what kids thought. You were there for the adults. <laughs> Right, and uh, like if you don't if you don't like it, then you're going to hell. Start start liking it more. That was kind of the attitude. And they gave me half the time. They're like, uh, or maybe they gave me 15 minutes. So as you know, true Pentecostals, I took 20, and uh, and 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 I gave an unauthorized altar call. No kidding. Six kids came forward and accepted Christ for the first time that night. Yeah, it was awesome. I don't know where they are now. I don't know what happened to them. But I was like, this is all right. I want to keep doing this. And, uh, and, then, and then I did again the next year and, and just kept going through high school. Bible college at 18, uh, I knew I was already called in the ministry. And I remember 18, 19 years old, we would have a speaker every week, different speaker. Um, 11 to noon, it was the last thing uh, students did every day for classes, 11 to noon. And in that slot, we'd have a different speaker every week. And I remember one guy talking one week about church planting, starting a new church. And I remember listening and thinking, that is stupid. <laughs> what a dumb thing to do. There's plenty of churches. Get a job, bum. <laughs> you know, that's what I was thinking. Like, what's the matter with you? Why, why you can't find a job at a real church? You got to go start your own on a tin foil and a hat, you know, like, what are you doing? And, and uh, little did I know, like, God, I think the heavens are just like, this is funny. Look at him. He's thinking he's not going to do it. That's adorable. <laughs> and so as time went on, though, God starts birthing more. And five years later, in 2004, um, uh, 2003 to 2004, I, I started full-time ministry. I, I would say I started full-time ministry in 1999, uh, but they didn't recognize it with a paycheck till 2004, 2003. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then I, after uh, just, a, just a season in Madison, Wisconsin, we, we were felt called out. We were supposed to go somewhere. And as we're looking, God brings us back to Chicago, live with my parents for six months, which is just the best when you're married with kids, isn't it? To live in your parents' three-bedroom townhome. Uh, as you've become an adult and moved on, it's really great to reintegrate. So my parents have been super generous and graceful. But, you know, you grow up and you're just like, I don't, I don't want to put that there. I want to put it here. You know, but it's like, well, this is their house. And, but you're doing it wrong. You know, and that's how you feel. And, but I remember even at that time thinking, well, you know, what if we, what if we started a, 
What if we started a, 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 a church, you know, just had this random, that might be kind of fun, right? But I was like 23, 24 years old. And it, while it would have been fun, it would have also been a horrible disaster because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about ministry, but I just had this unction. And then a job opened up and let us out of the season. And we ended up going to, uh, a matter of fact, actually right out of Bible college, I came here for a summer interning with a youth pastor out in Homewood and uh, an old youth pastor of mine thinking that's what I might be doing. It, it just didn't work. And then God led me up to Madison, Wisconsin. Several years later, we're back here living with my parents. And, I'm, and, uh, and in that window, I was like, maybe we should start a church. And my wife was like, ah, hmm. You know, and, and, and I ended up getting an associate, youth pastor, worship leader, do whatever the pastor doesn't want to do job. And I did that for a great season up in a small town in northwest Wisconsin for several years. And then I felt after, after about four years, I felt like God gave us a new vision. He was calling us out again. And, and again, the idea comes back to me. And this was 2007. And I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to plant a church in South Chicagoland. Maybe we're supposed to do that. And again, my wife was like, I don't think so. And, uh, and, and all the confirmations led to a different direction. And that's, that brought us back to the same church we were at in Madison, Wisconsin. Started the Master's Commission, college pastor, and then do everything else the pastor didn't want to do, pastor. So I've done every job in the ministry at some point. Not well, but I've done every job in the ministry at some point. I've had to be the kids pastor, youth pastor. I, I, I was the website guy for a while. It's still up, and it is not good. <laughs> I'm not telling you what the web address is. It's bad. It's bad. My picture's not on it. There are no pictures on it because that was not something I was capable of. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, I've done everything. Janitor, scrub toilets, work in a daycare. If you can name a church job at some point, I did it, okay? And, and, and. And then over the next several years, more and more church planning just keeps coming to me and coming to me and coming to me. And our season in Madison, Wisconsin comes to an end. And, and matter of fact, um, in between, there's a picture. This was, this was in that season. Uh, this is Colin and Nathan when they were really little. Huh? Look at that. That's right. My wife has not aged a day. I have gained like a century. <laughs> um... See, see, I, but it was spiritual. I said, Lord, don't let her age with the children. Let it curse come upon me. <laughs> and that's what's happened. We've had five kids. So half a century, a decade for each kid. <laughs> um, and and so, so that was in that window. We're living with my parents and we're like, maybe here. And, and it just didn't feel right. It wasn't God yet. And so, but it had been birthed in my heart. And I just thought that would be cool. Now, we moved back here in 2013, late 2013, and, and long story short, I, I ended up at a church as the worship leader, and as we left Madison, we were just heavy-hearted because we didn't want to leave, but the season was over. You, you ever have that? You ever had the window where it's like, I don't want to be done, but it's done? I don't want to move on. This was great. And, and then God moves on. God moves you on. And, and it's, it's a new season. And, and as we're driving in, our hearts are just heavy. You know, we don't, 
We, we don't want to move here anymore. Chicago, even though it's where I'm from it, from, it doesn't feel like home anymore. I've raised my kids mostly in, in Wisconsin. I, I, I know it there. I, I know another life now. I, really, I haven't lived here at any length since I was 18 years old. And now I'm, I'm pushing for, I'm in my mid-30s. And, and I, I just don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to go or be, but this is where God is leading us. But in the back of my mind is this idea about planning a church in South Chicagoland. And I'm like, but I'm not there, Lord. I was kind of beat up. Ministry had taken its toll. We had, as you know, we had, we had lost a son a few years prior, and it was just, uh, we were just not in a great place. And I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm ready to be a lead pastor, let alone church plant. Church planting is like all the responsibilities and challenges of being a lead pastor with none of the privileges <laughs> or resources. You know, like, you get all the things a lead pastor does, but nothing that he gets, you know? And, and so I ended up at a church as a worship leader, and it was a great season for me. I got to kind of be like David in the fields. I got to just worship for a while, and God just restores my soul. And shortly within that window, I'm introduced to a, the, the, the network and fellowship of churches that were a part of the Assemblies of God and, uh, and, and a church planting network uh, that they would help us plant. And, and finally, the Lord says, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Like the amount of autonomy and accountability and to be who God wants us to be and reach, and reach out to South Chicagoland and open up. And the thing is, when I moved back here, you got to realize when I moved back here, I, I grew up here in the 80s and 90s where the whole country, churches were big everywhere. If you started the church in your garage, you'd have a building in a year or two because everybody went to church. And if you didn't, you were the people who were on the outside, right? Does anybody remember that? I'm just being really old, yeah. Do you remember stuff being closed on Sunday? Does anybody remember that? That was why, I, I mean, I remember being a kid and being like, I wanted to eat there, <laughs> you know? But, but. And then it got a little more progressive, like buffets were like, oh, we should stay open on Sundays. That's a good idea. But, but I remember that, and now moving back here, like the church I grew up in was 1,000 people, and it was probably 150, 200 people by the time I got back here. What happened? And other churches I knew, like big churches I knew growing up here, were no longer big churches. They still had big buildings, but nobody was in them. What happened? And my heart began to be heavy for this region, like God was moving here once. What happened? And then God began to stir something, and, and I don't know, I don't want to step on my wife's toes, but it's a story she shares. Um, maybe you want to just come up and share it, how you were praying one day, and God tells you about praying about, come on up, come on up, because you'll share it better than me anyway. Um, and some of you are thinking, is he going to get to scripture? I am. I'm getting there. Hold on. It's coming. Well, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a January. I don't know which year now. But anyway, um, and I, we were at this church that I really dearly loved. And the only thing I said before we went is I said, my only sadness is I know this isn't an outreach church. They aren't a people that, that their heart is to reach the lost. But I hit this point. And, and, and God was moving in the church that we were part of. Um, but as we hit January 1st, 
I started praying and I felt like I started fasting and just seeking the Lord and I felt like I wasn't getting anything and my heart was just broken. And so of course you start to go through all the things where you wonder like, am I in sin? Am I disobeying God? And some like, why am I not hearing from him? And I just continued to pray and I think it hit like the first week of February-ish or something along those lines. And I woke up one morning and I was praying and I was done. And as I was about to just walk away, I felt like God spoke to me, you need to open your heart to church planting. Because if you don't, you will hinder your husband and the call on his life. And I was like, I don't want to open my heart to church planting. What does that mean? And I held it. I didn't share it with Brian. I was like, I'm not sharing it with him. He'll be like, yes, you know, let's go. And I don't, you know, and I was like, all right, God just told me to open my heart. He didn't say I have to do this. I just have to start praying about it. And so as I started praying about it, finally, a couple weeks later, I had, you know, that heaviness that you get when you know the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you and and there's something you've got to do. And so I said, hey, I just don't get too excited. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't freak out on me. I was like, just, just God spoke to me a couple weeks ago to open my heart towards church planting, and if I don't, I'll hinder you, and I never, ever want, I never want to hinder anything God wants to do in anybody's life, and so I'm, I'm, I just want to let you know I'm praying about it, and then you went to a church planting, or you went to a, a church conference with the church leaders yeah, like that three, were, four months later, there was a district council, uh, which is coming up next week. I don't week. even know if that was, it was that no, one, yeah, was, was it that one? Okay, yeah. anyway, and, and I'm starting to just open my heart, and so I'm thinking, okay, maybe in like five, ten years, Maybe like five, ten years from now. Okay. You know, and he, you know, he went to this conference and didn't even know they were going to have like church planting sessions. Nope. And I think the pastor even encouraged you to go to them. Totally. And you went to those sessions and he came home and he's excited. And I'm like, okay. And he's kind of talking timeline, maybe like five, six years, five, six years. Um, yeah. And, and God really expedited that process. Yeah. Um, but, and I just want to say, you know, when we, when we planted Thrive, God took me in what, probably a period of two years of just, I knew it was going to be really, really hard. I, I knew. I had tried to help someone plant a garden in that church um, up when we were in Amory, Wisconsin. And like, she was like getting the ground ready for the very first time. I lasted one hour. I'm not lying. I lasted one hour and my flip-flop stuck in the mud and I couldn't even get it out. So like, I was just like, I don't want to. I know that doing a brand new work is really hard. But when we planted Thrive, I had heard all the stories. We weren't going to have, our paycheck was going to be who knows, hit, hit, miss, whatever. I got five kids, you know, and I had the faith. God put it in my heart. There was just something in me. And I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm ready. I am ready for the day that I stand. Well, actually, at the time we had four kids. Um, that, that last one's a surprise. Big one. Um, but I, I was like, I had this vision. I am ready to stand with two kids on this side and two kids on this side. And we will hold hands in front of the refrigerator. And I know that God can bring food to our doorstep. And all I want to say is that moment never came. We have never missed a paycheck. Even through pandemic, and it's not a huge paycheck, but we have never missed it. And God has been so unbelievably faithful. And as a church plant, we have never had one penny of debt. 
And that is a true miracle. There's almost no church yeah. plant that can say that. Thanks, baby. So, yeah. And, and we want to go further and do more, and God's been so faithful. You know, we, building fund is at 65. Just so you know, we can't make an offer or do anything or even get financing before we're at 100 because nothing here is going to be less than a million dollars after renovations. And even that would be a miracle. So we're at 65 now, and we're 35 away. God's providing. Reichert, Reichert is praying through his next step because his long-term dream is to be a professor of Old Testament, right? Yeah? But, but for as long as he's here, we'd love to bless him more. And, and other staff, well, church needs an admin, but we can't afford an admin. We'd love to be able to bring Reichert on more as an associate pastor and, and different things. Now, God will provide, and, and it's up to him. He always makes a way. But these are the things that we thought, who knows what's going to happen. We went to the church planning boot camp, and they're like, if you follow these steps, you can't fail. And I was like... Uh, dare taken, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I will accept that challenge. And, and, and as God is doing this, you know, and, and the church we were at before here and that sent and blessed us out, most of you know is Stone Church and they're in Orland Park and they're a great church. To this day, they still sell us a small support check. Their pastor now, Pastor Adrian, is an awesome pastor. He's my friend. Uh, we hang out. He's a great man. They're a great church. Uh, none of you would like it at all. But, uh, but uh, people outside, they're a great church. <laughs> so don't go. Don't bother. Stay here. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but they're a great. They're an awesome church that we love dearly. They were just to give honor where honor is due. Um, and... And they still, we still have relationship with them, and they introduced us to all of this and, and brought us and so many of our people uh, and our launch team. Uh, some of our people on our launch team, I should say, came from there. But why? Again, you, what's the why? Why? Well, I said it a few minutes ago. When I came back here and saw these churches, where, where were the people? What happened to all these people I knew growing up? What, what happened to passing down the, the baton, the legacy? And it's somewhere, the, I believe... Not just churches and culture took a hit. I think what took a hit is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven. Okay, he is resurrected. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he's like, by the way, I've done it. Hey, Aunt, babe, can I see your car keys for a second? Okay. So he just says, I've been given the keys. I'm in charge. And then he says, so go, therefore, go. Implication, if you don't remember English class, there's an implication of a you in front of go. You, go and make disciples of all nations. Basically saying, hey, I've been given this, so here you go. You can drive. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The reason we started a church is simply because of this. Because Jesus said, go. That's it. Jesus said it. 
you need to realize something. This is, this is me. I'm sharing my pastor's heart today. So if you're like, that wasn't the best message, that's fine. It's still who, my heart from why we're here and what we're doing. Over my entire ministry life, 20 plus years of ministry, pre-thrive, at every single transition, God has given me a prophetic dream every single time where he made it plain to me or he spoke to me. This is the only one he didn't because I didn't need him to because he already said go. There's a friend, uh, he preached here a few years ago, and, and as a missionary, we supported for a season. Uh, we kind of shifted our missions, giving focus. Uh, so, but they're, they're a ministry in Hollywood called the Oasis of Hollywood, and they reach street kids in Hollywood, uh, and they have for 40 plus years. Uh, they're an amazing couple, Ron and Judy Radicke. They do amazing things for the Lord. They've seen so thousands, maybe tens of thousands of kids have come to Christ. Um, but, but Ron, I remember years ago, some of you are like, well, if God didn't speak to you directly, why would you start a church? I remember sitting, and here's the thing. I've had many conversations with Ron, but I remember this one, and I believe it's because God etched it in my heart. We were sitting at a table and he goes, you know, a lot of people ask me, why do you do this? Why do you do the Oasis of Hollywood? Why would you sacrifice your life so much and spend so much time? They spend hours. I mean, their hours start at like 11 or 12, and they'll go till 2 a.m. And then they go around the next day because that's when you reach street kids is at night. That's when you get hookers off the streets. That's, 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 that's how you see people delivered. And he goes, people ask me, did I hear anything from the Lord? Did I hear? He goes, no, I didn't. I just read the scriptures, and this is what the Bible says to do. And I remember sitting in that moment, being envious of such obedience to God's word. And I think somewhere in there, I stored it away saying, I want to be like that. I don't want to have to need the heavens to rent open to obey God. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to have to have prophecy every time I follow Jesus. I love the prophetic, but I don't need to have, we better not be a people that has to have experience in order to have practice. Now that being said, there are those of us who hold experience at a distance and that's not okay either. But Jesus said, go. Now, that being said, there's more reasons, okay? Tim Keller said this, dozens of denominational studies have confirmed that the average new church gains most of its new members, 60 to 80% from the ranks of people who are not attending any worshiping body, while churches over 10 to 15 years of age gain 80 to 90% of new members from transfer from other congregations. Here's another way of saying that. Most people come to Jesus in churches that are less than 10 years old. That's why we started Thrive, because people need Jesus. And Jesus uses the church more than anything else. How many of you, just stand up where you are, came to Christ at a church service of some kind? Stand up. Some of you may have come somewhere else. So almost half the people in the room came to Christ 
through a church service of some kind. Okay, thanks. You can sit down. Now, some of you, maybe your parents led you to the Lord. Maybe somebody led you to the Lord at work, which is awesome. But I guarantee you the church played a major role. Right? The church sent them to you. How many of you quickly got into church after you got saved? Some of you didn't. Some of you, like, it took a bit. (laughs) And that's okay. We're all a process. But as messy, as broken, as weird, as bad as it seems, God's plan for us to go is right here. Is the local church. I had a traveling ministry where we blew into town, blew up, and blew out. And it was awesome, and God used it. But guess what? I'd rather be doing this. Because this makes a difference in a region over a season. We made a difference in a night, and it's not that God didn't use it from here, but I want to make a difference over the long haul in the same place. Eugene Peterson said it this way, a long obedience in the same direction. When you get it, Brian Houston from Hillsong said this, find, you want God to use you? Find a local church, give your life to it. God loves the local church. This is the primary way God says go. And who did he say that to? You say he said it to his disciples, right. Another way of saying that is he said it to his church. And it wasn't that big of a church. So thousands of people came to Jesus, right. But by the end, it it whittled down. There were 12 guys. Then by this time, there were 11. And about 120 most dedicated followers, which is about what we got here. Just saying, I'm all in. Jesus, what do you want me to do? I want you to go. And then, right away, and he says, and make disciples. Now, you need to understand, I love parachurch stuff. I love concerts. I've been to many of them. I've been in some of them. I've traveled. I've done theater. I've spoken word stuff, art, not dance. So I let other people do that. (laughs) Right? Just jello, don't jiggle. So, but Jesus said, make disciples. And what does that mean? It does not mean concerts. It doesn't mean the attendees. It doesn't mean more members. He said, make disciples. So we want to be a church that says, we will not, we will not cut off discipleship for the sake of evangelism. But we also won't be a church that cuts off evangelism for the sake of keeping church people. So if you're like, you're not being religious enough, you're going to have to deal. (laughs) And then if you're like, you're being too religious, you know, like, nah, we just love the Lord. And we're not going to compromise either. Why? Because the simple gospel that Jesus came to live, die, rose again, save mankind from his sins, it still works. It still changes lives, and it's it's the truth. The Bible is the word of God. It changes lives. The Holy Spirit's real. He moves among us. Tell him. And stop worrying about who's going to come in on it and who isn't. I never thought the year 2020 would be the best year of church for us ever. I can't, honestly, when we were around in 2020, pre-pandemic, I was like, this is getting pretty rough, Lord. The momentum's run out from being the new cool church. 
And now we're just that church that meets in a gym that they've heard of, but they won't go to. (laughs) So who are we? What do you want to do? And God begins to move. And people begin to come. And I remember some, some pivotal moments just in my own heart was the Lord was like, just preach the word. Proclaim me and just trust me. Jesus said, I'll draw all men to myself if, I, if, I, if he's lifted up. Lift him up. They'll come. It's not, it's not field of dreams. It's not if you build it, they'll come. If you lift him up, they will come. You're here, not because of me, but because the name of Jesus is being lifted up. And we're drawn to it. God changes lives. He just does. He uses the church. He just does. He'll change your life if you, if you never let him. Jesus, what is that gospel? It's simple. Jesus, God became a man, the Alpha and the Omega. Before all time and space, God becomes a man, puts himself into the image of a man, lives a sinless, perfect life because we're separated from God. We are sinners, every one of us. I hate to say it, but I don't. You are a sinner and so am I. By definition, we have all chosen to say, God, I reject you. I want what I want. And those sins are trespasses, offenses, felonies against God and his perfection. Not just against his law, but his law is who he is. They are saying, I don't want you. I don't want relationship with you. I reject you. I reject your name. I am creation, telling the creator, I don't want you. I defy you. I'm my own God. And that God in all compassion, mercy, and love becomes a man and says, I want to win them back. Lives a perfect, sinless life. Becomes the Lamb of God, the sacrifice dies on a cross, defeating sin once and for all, then three days later, defeating death and hell, resurrecting from the grave, and saying, now everybody can come in. It's not for one race of people, it's for all people. And all you have to do is say yes, and begin to follow. And we do that here just about every week, because we want you to know Jesus and make him known. That's what it is to make disciples. Not, hey, just accept Jesus and keep hanging out. That's not a bad place to start. God uses all kinds of stuff. But we want more than that for you. We want you to know him. Don't you want to know him? Don't you want to hear his heart beat? Don't you want to hear his voice in the night? Last night I had a dream and I felt like God spoke to me but it kind of freaked me out and I'm a little bit like, I don't know. I'm not telling you what it is. (laughs) I haven't told anybody yet. And it may be the Lord. It may be, I don't know, eating popcorn too late. I don't know. (laughs) I'll weigh that out with the Lord. It'll give me some time. But at least I want to hear it. We want to make disciples to, 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 to see transformation happen. And it comes. Henry Blackaby said it great, and he said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. And we have seen that here. Now, some people stick around and some people bail for all kinds of reasons. They find someplace better. They fall away from the Lord. They get offended. They, whatever. 
And you know what? We do our best to always leave the door open so you can always come back and feel at home. Always. Because the body's the body. If you love Jesus and we do too, you should always be able to find a seat at the table. I'm just, I'm not big into kicking people out. I just don't think that's the kingdom. If Jesus wants us all, then he wants us all, period. Um, so I say that to say, make disciples. And we have seen that transformation in lives happen here. Even in people who've known the Lord a long time, the de-church people who grew up in church and were burned and came back. We've watched that. How could you even want to leave that? That's why we started this church. There's a song I listened to this week called, it's super old. <laughs> okay, super old. You can play it for a second if you got it, guys. But I'm not going to make you listen to the whole song. It is an old, old song by a guy named Steve Green called People Need the Lord. You guys remember, right? It's, it's cheesy now. It's, it's, it's old and dated. But I, there's, there's some lyrics in this song that are just Every awesome. You can let it play for a minute. But the, the basic chorus is people need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. Empty people. You know, and why don't we why don't we get it? What have we forgotten that people need Jesus? That's why we're here. When every other church closed, the reason we didn't close isn't because I wanted to stay open and keep a job. Is it because, hey, maybe we can leverage this somehow? No. I believe people come to Jesus through the local church and the proclamation of the gospel. And I think that's a way bigger deal than any virus. Going to hell is more important than dying from a virus. God forbid somebody dies in this place from a virus, which has not happened by God's mercy and goodness alone. But from day one, I just, I don't, I can't settle that in my heart. I won't. This is where people meet Jesus and come to know him. And hell is way worse than Corona. Way worse. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe in Jesus. That being said, we don't want to be stupid. We don't want to be unsafe. My parents wanted to come back to church today as they're getting over the Rona. I said, no. They're over it. They're past their point. But I'm like, one more, one more. I did the same thing when I had it. Because we still care about people and we love them. We do. We love you. And if you're like, I wildly disagree with you. Cool. I still love you. I still love you. Are you in on Jesus with me? Yep, then we can figure it out. And then he said, of all the nations, our nation that God brought us to is the Lockport Homer region. And I, I've said this before, I wanted to drive right past it. I wanted to go to Orland Park or, or New Lenin. They're so nice. Everything's new. I like new things. I don't like old things. I like new things. And the Lord rebuked my heart. And the Lord said, look at this town. Drive around it and pray. You have the wealthy and you have the struggling. 
and the poor. Must you have many, many different nationalities in this town. You have a town that brings sides of the city together. And many people drive through or pass by, but the Lord says, I haven't passed it over. I can do something here. I can move. Everybody passed by. David. But Jesus said, I see David. He's a run to them. He's a king to me. Man, I'm so glad. He's moved. We've watched God move. And we've seen so much. We've seen stuff I've forgotten. We've watched God change people, deliver people, get them off drugs, get them into safe places. Heal their hearts, heal their marriages, provide food when they didn't have it, pay their bills, adopt children, take foster kids. Jesus loves you. God uses the local church. We are here for the Great Commission. We are here so the people know Him. We're going to go talk to bikers. Man, I hope they're tatted up, have guns and swastikas so I can look them in the eye and be like, Jesus loves you. But he's racist. Yep. And Jesus loves him. You're saying Jesus loves racism? No. Jesus hates racism just like he hates all my sin. That song, when will we realize? When do we get it again? We forget so quickly the great commission and call to go make disciples of all nations. That's why we're here. And we want to be that. Here's, I like one friend of mine said it this way. We're, church for, we're not the church for everyone, but we're a church for anyone. I hope anybody can come to thrive and say it feels like home. And you may stay for a day and you may stay for 10 years. But I hope God moves in your life while you're here. I'd love to see us bigger and building, sure. But what if that doesn't end up being God's plan? Somebody said in the last mayor prayer meeting, you know, God has used you. You've gone from place to place to place. It was like the city prayer meeting with a mayor and the police chief and other city leaders. And they're like, you've had to, they're like, oh, I see you as like Israel in the wilderness going, moving the tabernacle around. But everywhere you've gone, you've picked somebody. It was a Patty Kalela said it too. Patty, she's not here today. Um, but she said, but everywhere you've gone, some, you've picked some people up. You've picked some people up. You've picked some people up. We are a church that goes. So as much as we are all like, man, set up a teardown again. <laughs> Man, I am with you. Those stage pieces are heavy. <laughs> that screen, I hate setting that thing up and down. I have bashed more fingers, limbs, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't have it with me. You remember the softball? Oh, I'm, I'm, diver- I'm divulging. You'll see someday. You'll all hear some. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? You, it goes way back. That's in the way back machine. <laughs> but we want everybody, wherever they can, they can say, God's moving here. And then it says, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's making disciples. Again, you got to do some stuff. 
Has anybody here ever joined a club, started a new school, a new job, and you didn't have to change anything? You just keep doing what you're doing. No! Right? You got to learn new words. You got to say new things. That's what it is. You get baptized. If you haven't been, you got to get baptized. Was that my salvation? No, but you got to get baptized. Why? Because that's the moment that you say to the world, I'm in on Jesus. My old life is left behind. I'm in a new life. I'm with him. And I want everybody to know, well, my faith is private. Not according to this scripture. The faith in Jesus is not a private faith. It's not a Facebook post faith either, but that's a different conversation. How many people, like, if you said, I want, I'm going to be a boxer, I want to box, right? But then you never took lessons, you never got gloves, you never worked out, but, but you got a certificate that says, I believe in boxing. I'd love to not see you in a fight <laughs> because you are going down <laughs> and it will be painful because you're not a boxer. Saying it and living it are two different things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, go and make disciples um, or come follow me as Jesus said, come follow me is not a statement you can take apart. It's a both and. It's a forever mystery, forever interlinked with one another. To follow Jesus and to accept Jesus are not mutually exclusive. They They are completely intertwined. You cannot separate them. You cannot accept Jesus without Jesus coming in and changing you. That's what happens. That's why we baptize. Here, people should get changed. And he's doing it. I think it was 10, 12 people this past time we had baptism a couple months ago. God just moving. God's moving. That's it. Make disciples. See him changed. This is what believers do. And that's only the beginning. And then it says, teaching them to obey all the commandments I've given you. This is followership again. Here's what should begin to happen. Here's the basics, okay? Here's the basics. Number one, if if you meet Jesus, one, you have to be in church. (laughs) If you follow Jesus and you don't go to church, I don't believe you follow Jesus. Oh, you just threw down the gauntlet. Yes, I did. (laughs) Do not tell me you walk with Jesus and belong to no community of faith. You, got, you cannot tell me you are married and you never spend time with your bride. You never see them, you never talk to them, you never spend time with them, you never listen to them. Well, the church isn't a building. No, but it is a gathering of the people of God. You have to be in a local church. You have to be a part of it. doesn't mean you never miss. Of course it doesn't mean that. I take vacations, and I will not see you on that day. If you get sick, do not come here. We love you, especially now. Stay home. If you're like, well, I don't know if I'm sick, stay home. Okay? But basics, you get in a local church because that's his bride. We'll say the, the American church has issues. Yeah, and so do you. 
The American church isn't like the New Testament. Are you? Have you raised somebody from the dead? Shut up. Okay, well, yes, yes, I have. Great. And they were part of a local church. Were you? They had a sending body too. They belong somewhere. Why? Because it's broken, it's messed up. That's the plan of God. He finds sinners and saves them and transforms them. But they're not, but they, they don't do this and that like the New Testament church did. Have you read the New Testament? They did not have it all together. And if they were the perfect church, Jesus would have returned then. So they weren't then and they're not now, but we will be. Relax and get in a church. You are, so I'm not talking to you. Okay, number two, you have to pray. You got to pray. We got to talk to the Lord. Something I was listening, and the the truth is, like prayer for me, this is going to sound terrible, it doesn't come as naturally for me. Studying the word, worshiping, things like that, those come more naturally for me. Prayer doesn't. And, And it's not abnormal, because you can ask my wife, there are times I just don't talk. And she's like, what's going on in that head of yours? And I'm like, sports themes, mostly? Not, not much. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Hey, no, 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 no. You know, just there's times like I'm just a man who, like I'm simple and, and I don't want to talk. I don't want to communicate. But you got to pray. When you come to Jesus, you start talking to him. Because we talk to people we love. We have conversations with people we love and who love us. And sometimes we change and sometimes we don't, but we communicate. Number three, you have to read the Bible. You have to get in the Word. And man, it's easier than ever. You can get the Bible app on your phone and do a... I'm, I'm in a Bible in a year plan. I've been doing that for years now. Um, I've gone through the Bible in a year every year for at least the past five to seven years, maybe longer, maybe ten. Um, not that I didn't... I read the Bible before then, but... Um, you have to be in the word and begin to understand it and begin to study it. And here's the best part. I, I, I didn't write it this way because it'd be too confusing. I should say you have to let the Bible read you. It's a living word that speaks into us and God uses and changes us. It's his word. And let it transform you. Let it permeate every part of your being. Get in it. And four, you have to practice. In other words, you keep doing this stuff over and over and over. Say, I don't see a difference. Okay, it's fair. So right now, I'm trying to be a lot healthier. Eat healthier, and, and, and I'm mostly doing really well. I'm down like, I don't know, 12, 15 pounds. I got a long way to go, but I'm down. But like this, this jacket at Christmas was here, and now it's here. Now, yeah, yeah, that's good. It's not, it's not, it's not ultimate warrior level, okay? Not, I'm not trying out for any large competition, but, but it's, pro- it's forward motion, and it's a practice of health over and over. It's hard. It sucks. I like food, and you're thinking, I'm, I can tell. Yeah, 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 I'm good at it. I'm really it's a, it's, I have an ability to taste things, I think, better than most. So, um, but I got to practice something else, right? And that's what we do. We begin the practice of the faith. And I'm, some weeks, you, you see, you know, there's some days, you know, you see that scale move. And other days, you're like, 
where's the bleep button on my life, you know? And, and, and it's hard, but you, you just keep practicing. You just keep moving. And the same thing with, that's what the walk of faith is. And in time, you are going to see a major transformation. Jesus changes lives. He makes disciples. He'll move in your life. We cannot be a people who just believe. James 2.19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. <laughs> and they tremble in terror. <laughs> I use the term believer, but I mean faith with action. Faith with deeds, as James would say. What this means, you and I have to practice our faith. We have to walk it out. Belief and action are like this in the kingdom. It's the come and the follow me. It's the go and make disciples. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you actually shared your faith with an unbeliever. Us as church people, it gets real easy to not do it because we start hanging out with church people, which is good, right? We have the most in common with other believers. I have family who don't know Jesus and I love them, I can talk with them, but I can't share hearts with them because they don't share. Jesus lives in my heart. I can't share hearts with them, it's, it's sad. But that's who I have the most in common with. But that being said, I, we gotta be with unbelievers. We gotta, we gotta be around the, the messy and the sin and the ugly and the brokenness. We sang it a while ago. We, the, the, it's a great song from, I, I, I think it's Influence Worship. Who was it? But that song, you can find me with the sinners, the rebels and the dreamers. Take me where it hurts the hardest. How dangerous your love is. You can find me with the sinners where you gave your life. That's what our God did. He didn't come into a world that was clean. He didn't hang out with the religious. He went to sinners and said, hey, come on, come on. Now that being said, I don't go to sinners into like, oh, we're we're all going to be having cocaine coming to my house. I think I'll pass. (laughs) I'll meet you at Starbucks. There's boundaries, there's wisdom. If you're like, well, I was a heroin addict for seven years, but I don't want to my buddy who's a heroin addict. Great, invite him here, okay? Don't meet him at his place. Unwise, right? Because nothing is worth your relationship with Christ, just so you know. Jesus has reached sinners, but don't ever let sinners reach you. Because they, they, they don't know. They don't know, they're blind, they're, they're lost, they're broken. Go and make disciples. You have to practice. This is why we have growth track, circles, youth group, prayer team, royal family kids camp, etc. These are practices to live the purpose of the kingdom out. They're not programs so you can go to them. They are for your growth and transformation. That's why we do them. We've been offered other ministries or had other ministry ideas. And we're like, no, because it's, it's not about the kingdom. It's not what we're about. Henry Blackaby said, and also an experience of God, when you offer yourself to God as his servant, he expects to shape 
He first expects to shape you in the instrument of his choosing. He'll always work in you before he works through you. He wants to change you. Let him. Don't just become a believer. Be a follower. I'll go where you go. You can examine my life. Change it. Change it up. Fine. I'm I'm done withholding from God. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to swear anymore. God, change me. You're convicting me. Change me. I don't. I don't want unclean lips. I don't want to watch that trash. I just don't want to take it in anymore. Lord, change me. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be getting drunk anymore. Lord, come in and change me. Shift my life. I don't want to believe what the world says about what love is and isn't anymore. And what I, I want to believe what your word says. I want to follow you. Make me a follower. And that's the best part. The last part is my favorite part. And he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You don't have to change you. Ask him to do it. If you're like, I don't like coming to church on Sundays, if I'm honest. Okay. Ask him to change you. I don't like to pray. Okay. Ask him to change you. Say, Lord, make me a follower again. I don't like sharing my faith. I have no intention of walking up to a biker and saying, hey, would you like to come to church? And I will never do that. Look, I know some of you have to go today. Don't feel guilt. Like if you got to go somewhere, you have an appointment, you know, relax. Nobody's judging here. Okay. We're calling, not judging. Everything I'm saying today is a call, not a judgment. Okay. So if you're like, that sounded heavy to me, then throw it out. I'm a man. I'm not Jesus. But if you won't ever, then ask God to change you. Some of the people who would never became the world's greatest evangelists. Paul was a guy. This was a man who was literally running around attempting to kill Christians and imprison them. God so radically changed him. He saw, he was one of the first, was he the first missionary? Was he? Am I right? I believe so. Many mission trips, many come to Christ, wrote a third of the New Testament, that's pretty good. What happened? The Lord changed him, and he'll change you too. But this is why we're here. We are, imagine, maybe close your eyes for just a second as you're standing up, don't look at me, and imagine. Jesus, literally, right now, standing next to you, putting his arm around you and saying, I'm on mission with you. Let's go get some people. Let's go catch some men and women. Let's bring them home. Let's tell them. Tell them I love them. Tell them I died for them. Tell them I can change them. Tell them I'm with them. Tell them I can heal them. Tell them I have a future for them. Because he is with you like that right now. It's not a joke. He just said it. We just talked about it.
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. 